Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight to a destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into an interesting conversation about the world of uh, education, uh, specifically education that is backed up by uh, technology. Um, in the world, uh, in this world, we give it the name EdTech, um, you know, similar to FinTech, you know, which talks about financial technology. And that has been uh, an interesting sector to have observed over the last uh, couple of years, especially um, uh, given what COVID-19 did to that particular sector um, as it promoted the rise and use of more online learning uh, during that period. And uh, for today, we're going to be chatting, um, you know, to someone who is in that space. Uh, we're going to be ch- chatting to Dean uh, Makubri, who is the founder of uh, My Social Life. And uh, they recently, um, you know, got an award. This is quite an interesting conversation for myself uh, because uh, usually I've uh, interacted with Dean, um, you know, in a different capacity, you know, because, um, you know, he's usually um, on, the, on, the, on the public relations and communication side. But for today, we're interacting with him as a founder, which, you know, I found, which I find quite um, interesting. So we're just going to be getting, you know, into that particular discussion and also um, some of the trends that they are seeing in the space. So, Dean, greetings to you today. Thank you, Madiwa. Awesome to be on. Nice to be on a different, uh, playing a different role with you, as you said, as founder, as opposed to uh, media liaison guy. (laughs) Perhaps we can actually start, you know, on that front to say, um, you know, I've, I've typically interacted with you from a media web point of view. This is how I think a lot of people, at least, uh, who sit in seats such as mine and who do work such as mine have tended to know you. But in all this, you've somehow found a way to have an entire ed tech startup. You know, when is this, when is this happening? Um, you know, during, <laughs> during your day. So um, it's a very good question. I've been doing uh, media for 23 years now, uh, and I've had a number of different ad agencies. Uh, One was called Traffic, another one was called Bletchley Park, uh, and then I purchased Media Web in 2007. uh, And we worked, we turned Media Web from a journalism hub into a newswire, and that was in 2007 with a business partner, John Fisher. And then in 2013, we turned it into a corporate communications agency um, because I have deep experience in media and people need real experience when it comes to handling corporate communications. And so that's how that happened. However, a little bit of an extra, which I don't even know whether you know, but in 2013, when I did sell my shares in my, I had a a previous agency, Bletchley Park, I took a break and I was actually really exhausted, like burnout, like media burnout. And I took a year off. And in that time, I realized like how kind of whacked I was um, from not really looking after my uh, adrenal glands, you know, just too much advertising agency stuff. And in the, I then started to realize, you know, you need to attend to your well-being. You need to understand why do we behave this way? Uh, what thoughts perpetuate that keep driving you? Um, what happens inside your body that, you know, the chemicals, so that could be oxytocin, dopamine, histamine, serotonin, all of these things. Like, how do you keep yourself balanced if you're a feverish, obsessive worker? And so, I started to look at that from a position of being, you know, somewhat unwell, like anxious, depressed uh, during that year. And it was the great gift, which is really, really weird. It was one of the great gifts of my life um, because I almost stopped a certain type of behavior and investigated a new behavior. And then that opened up. Oh, I should teach kids about the relationship between media, my old life, still my life now to some degree, but 
But then, you know, media, smart devices, online safety, all of this put together. And how do we, how are we going to navigate ourselves and how are we going to navigate our relationships with devices and technology? And how are we going to help children maximize their potential as they move through the 2020s and get into 2030 to 2040? Uh, and I, you know, I'd been a, I'd been a, a great case study of not actually managing my well-being very well from being, uh, you know, you know, really stuck into something, and and so then I started to work on this edtech platform, and how how it was is I decided well what would I want to teach my kids and I created eight pillars uh, of what I think we should teach kids and and my business partner John T Fisher sent me this diagram from the World Economic Forum. And I, I said, uh, okay, wow. And he said, look, six of your pillars are there. So I was like, wow. So I flew to New York to meet the World Economic Forum. Can you believe it? And showed them my work before I'd even done anything. This classic me. Um, like, who does that? I don't even know why I did it. But I climbed on a plane to New York, met the World Economic Forum. They then connected me to Common Sense Media, also in New York and San Francisco. And then I spoke to both of them. They were like, this is amazing. Go back home and, and do this properly. And that was how it started. It's a very interesting story, um, you know, that you are that you are telling because I think when it comes to ed tech, right, um, at least in the way that we have tended to cover it and the way that it's uh, been shaped over the last couple of years when people think of online learning online education they're thinking of themselves you know in a professional uh they think of executive training they think of uh you know uh augmenting professional qualifications during COVID years, we thought about, you know, how do you substitute the classroom experience, um, you know, for, yeah, how do you substitute the classroom experience with an online experience? And I would say those are broadly the two areas within which people were, were engaging when it comes to um, online education or, you know, education technology. So I'm then keen to understand from a reception point of view, because at least from the outside looking, uh, from the outside and given the description that you've just given, it sounds more like what you're teaching is, you know, the ever elusive, uh, you know, work-life balance, um, you know, that, uh, you know, a lot of people are chasing out there, you know, um, does this lend itself to, because you know how it is, people always want to categorize things, right? So does this lend itself to professional, you know, type of uh, education because you are talking about how can a person be, you know, better balanced later on in life as they go through their career? Or does this lend itself more towards the theme of, uh, you know, wellness and well-being it's actually all of the above it's it is a mixture of online safety so see that as your anchor like if you don't really understand the internet and all the perils and pitfalls uh, that you can drop into then you're not going to be able to then explore and excel so our tagline is safer smarter kids will explore and excel. So you need to, first of all, build up their critical thinking, make sure they understand privacy, make sure they understand external hacks, but then they also need to understand how do their minds and bodies react to games like Fortnite or social media? Like, where are they being the guinea pigs of big tech? And then you say to them, but hold on, also, you guys are absolutely insane on these devices. You, you show up the adults with your dexterity, uh, how about we try and dial that up? Like, what are you passionate about? What are you interested about? And we literally talk to kids about setting up businesses, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. How could they use their time on a device to even if they just generated themselves an extra 1,000 or 2,000 brands worth of, of pocket money? In many cases, I have kids that are making an absolute you know, fortune, 10,000, 30,000 um, by selling products. Uh, because they're really interested. And all we did was we redirected their attention from mindless entertainment and socializing. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. 
Nothing wrong with mindless socializing and entertainment because you're human. It's very important. But it is kind of you're chilling and you're escaping and you're relaxing. But then I'm going, what if I borrowed your three hours of TikTok and you gave me 30 minutes a day? That's two and a half hours a week. I can develop some pretty insane skills inside you in that time. So, so th- to be really specific, what we do is we offer modern life skills. So in school, there's a, there's a lesson called life orientation or technology or computer studies. It can go into any one of those. It can also go into pastoral care or well-being in some schools. But in life orientation, schools take us and they put in modern life skills, which is essentially digital life skills, uh, which is why we're probably on Spotlight. It's about, you know, we're teaching about technology uh, using ed tech, uh, but technology is social media, it is gaming, it is media literacy, misinformation, all of these things. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal because it's basically your life on a screen. Um, when I grew up, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Zimbabwe, and uh, we in my high school days we had uh, you know right through from grade uh, what would be called grade eight all the way up to right up to um, grade well, we do we did up to grade thirteen is we used to call it uh, EFL or Education for Living. Um, you know, is this a an education for living, but for the modern digital age. It is exactly that. It is EFL for Generation Z and also for Generation Alpha. So so Generation Z would be what we would deem to be. I think millennials take it over at about from age 25, kids that are over. I, I'm not because if you if you go online and look at the generations, actually, there's lots of people that change the dates or say different dates. But ultimately, teens up to the age of about 24, 25 is Generation Z. That is the crowd that we teach. We're also teaching Generation Alpha, which is the kids of 12 and below. So we teach kids from from age 8 to 12. And then we teach also from age 12, 13 up to 16, 17. Um, but it, you see, for example, with 16, 17, you don't teach them really anymore about social media and safety because they'll laugh you out of the room. But you actually teach them about exploration and excellence because they need to clean up their CVs and they need to use something like resume.io, which is a phenomenal tool. And then we start to show them, well, what would you look like if you were on LinkedIn for students, for example? And how does your personal brand look? Uh, Why don't you go to this platform and we can uh, show you a personal branding website and how quick it is to put it up? Now, suddenly... You could be on LinkedIn, for, you could be Madiwa Gavaza Jr., who's 17 years old, and you have a LinkedIn for students profile with an absolutely world-class CV, albeit a student CV, um, and you've got your own personal branding one-page website. How do you think you appear if you are competing for a spot and presenting yourself to a university or to a potential employer with the person that doesn't have any of those things? And it's so it's essentially taking these this incredible dexterity that they have with their fingers on keyboards and and screens, and saying I'm going to show you a whole load of other doors, and I want you to peek through this keyhole and check this room out. Some of them don't even open the door; they just peek through and they go, nah. and then others go through and go, Are "You kidding me?" And I have kids, I have kids contacting me. There's one right now who I've been tracking. Um, he was from a school in Grahamstown. His name's Shiloh. And he's come to me and said, help me become a professional speaker. He's asked me since grade 10. And now he's left school. He's finished. And um, and he's and he's he's saying, like, how am I going to get my first gig? And he's he's always been interested. He's taken the bull by the horns and he's going for it. So incredible. Yeah, that actually sounds, um, you know, very interesting. And um, one of the things that's, like we said, sort of like uh, like an EFL. One of the things I'm now wondering about is how you've gone about um, your distribution, right? And by distribution, I mean who is your customer? Is it uh, the the young person who is using the platform? Is it the parents of the young person, or is it the schools um, that these young people are attending? How have you gone about uh, that piece of the equation? Yeah. So so. <laughs> The answer is, is the schools. 
And the reason why is we also teach parents and we teach teachers and we teach school counselors. So that's five audiences, teens, preteens, parents, teachers, school counselors. That's actually who we teach, five different products, five different audiences. Um, and actually, when you look at preteens and teens, it's actually more than five audiences because you kind of have to do it. And, uh, you know, to kids who are eight to 12, you're talking about different things to kids who are 13 to 17. So the school was was the avenue, okay? But the challenge was, was right in the middle of, you know, I created this thing. Everybody was like, wow, you must come, you must come through, see us. We're teaching, oh, just schools all around the country, incredible. Then we got hit by COVID. And at the point that we got hit by COVID, you'd think that schools, my my conduit, my passageway to to victory would go, you are the man that we need right now. And that did not happen. That did not happen at all. Understandably, so I don't hold that against them, but because their need to pivot and to move to online learning and all that stress that was involved in, and teachers did do so well and so did head teachers. So there's no beef there. But I was also shocked going cheapest. You know, I thought this was my moment, my swan song. <laughs> I, I, everyone's going to go like the world is going to go. We need this. And actually um, what ended up happening was probably – all of that previous work that we had vanished over those two years. And we only held on to like, I don't know, about 20% of those clients. And we had to start up again in the last kind of 18 months. Uh, and it's been very good because um, during that time, during COVID, we actually gave our services away for free because we couldn't actually get people, we couldn't persuade people to, to, to almost pay for it. They were like, no, we've got other big problems. Uh, and I understand that but it, it's just what we had to do. So we did lots and lots of different talks and we helped lots and lots of different people. And actually that was a great thing to do. And now what we're doing is we've decided to, um, uh, in January, not just bank everything through the schools, we're going to go direct to parent. We're launching a new thing called My Social Life's DPC, Digital Parenting Club. Uh, and that starts in January. And what that's going to be is uh, parents can now get a monthly bulletin from us on the latest apps that are going around, the latest dares or challenges that could be on TikTok. You know, what what are the conversation starters to talk to your children around certain things? There was a cat in a blender that got frazzled and stirred up. Like, I don't know if you heard that story about eight weeks ago. Somebody put a live cat blender and it was going around the schools. Um, it was actually somebody from the east from, from a country in the east not from here but like literally kids were in a state about it so we need to tell parents about these things and and how do they converse with their children about them and and are those children uh, uh do they feel like they can talk to their parents about it because people say to me oh what you know what is it that you really do and i say no i bridge I bridged the technological and generational divide. So I've been allowed, I've been privileged enough to be allowed inside schools, speaking to all of these different audiences for five years. And I'm basically an interpreter. I'm an amazing listener. And I, and I reinterpret what everybody tells me for different audiences. So for a parent, I'll tell you what's going on with your kids. For the kids, I'll tell you what's going on with your parents and your teachers. Um, but without betraying trust, I'm just going to say like, no, 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 you've got to understand other people's perspectives. And, and it becomes really fascinating. So so the Digital Parenting Club is, is a way of us not feeling like we are dependent on schools, which is my main distribution channel. We can actually just go straight to the parents. So you, Madiwa, could go online, sign up, 50 rand a month, 600 rand a year, but you only pay per month. You can cancel any time. And what's happened is you can come on and you are going to get a really digestible, good UX newsletter from me with all sorts of links and videos, which you decide how much you want to read or listen. Because the majority of my audience, 80% is, is women, actually. And they sit in the school car park. And the idea is, can you download from my social life in 10 minutes and in the same car ride, have a non-awkward conversation with your child now that you're equipped in the mind about what's happening, but also I gave you the conversation starters because I know what's awkward for them. And um, it's definitely, this is a perfect example of if you're patient, something comes through to you, like post-COVID, like schools sometimes being difficult, something comes through to you and you go, this really feels like it's going to work. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I'm still here for that, uh, you know, um, whatever you can share on uh, 
on your user base. And I guess now we can also throw in uh, the question of, you know, what countries are you guys actually now present in as well? Over the years, we have been teaching, but remember we had COVID in the middle. So about 16,000 a year, then it went down and then it went back up, plus thousands of parents, plus well over a thousand teachers, plus several hundred psychologists. So again, our impact doesn't come around, um, how would I put it? It doesn't, our impact comes from an ecosystem where the net is tighter to catch a child. So we could chase, for example, let's just go for 100,000 kids, which we may still do. But at the moment, we, when we train the kids, we also want to train the parents and we also want to teach the, uh, train the teachers and we also want to train the psychologist. Because if a child has a massive issue online and they don't feel safe to tell their parents, P.S., 40% of kids repeatedly tell us, repeatedly. It's not a made-up stat. It's First of all, it's a stat that is acknowledged um, in a number of different surveys. Uh, but for us, we literally ask them, would you tell your parents in these instances? And the answer is no. So if the child doesn't want to tell their parents, could they tell their champion at school? Um, would they tell their school counselor and so on? Now, if you don't have those people really well-versed in the, in how complicated this is, you can drop the ball. And that's where you see children self-harm. That's where they move into you know, deep spells of anxiety or depression, and some commit suicide. That's what people say, like, what's worth playing for here? And I say, what we've got to do is we've got to have a place, a safe place for the child in these instances, because there are going to be inevitabilities. I'm going to say this again. There are going to be inevitabilities in a child's school life in which they are going to have either one of the following, uh, an issue around anxiety, perhaps they maybe their account gets hacked, perhaps they're bullied, um, uh, you know, perhaps they experience some type of intrusive thought, or perhaps they become obsessive users, perhaps their self-esteem stoops because... These are absolutely natural inevitabilities of life online, okay? And the problem is, who do they go to? This is where the problem is. Now, if you can come to me and I can say, yes, I understand that. This is really complicated. This is not your fault. We gave you the device. We connected you. There are places where we can go to for help. Let me call my social life. Or we need to go to the school counselor. Or we need to find a psychologist. I'm not joking, Madiwa. You can save lives this way. You can save a child's life. Uh, there was an instance in Pretoria in which a, uh, in which a girl, um, for example, and I'm going to come back to the numbers, but there was a girl who would committed suicide. She was 13 years old in Pretoria. Uh, and I remember thinking, if you build that ecosystem out where children would be able to vouch for that person and go, this has gone down and the, and the adults don't know about it. How do we get to the parent or to somebody to make sure that this person is not at risk of harming themselves? That didn't happen. Nobody saved that person. And the kids knew it's not their fault, but nobody knows that like, hold on, there are risks involved with really precarious stuff because this fragile identity suddenly breaks and everything is on the line. And then you want to take your life. And that's what I'm saying is, is somehow we've got to, we've got to navigate that this stuff is serious and that kids need support and, and somebody's got to catch the child. And that's why it's so important. So to come back to the numbers, I think we're doing great numbers for our size, but the best thing that we do is that our numbers are divided across five audiences. So we're going for power and impact. We're not going for volume or revenue. I wish we were. Okay, cool. There's a. It's very interesting the 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 type of service that you're offering, Dean, and especially given the fact that um, there's a lot that's going on in this online space, right? Um, I look at some of the debates that are going on in places like the U.S. Um, a lot of it is obviously geopolitical. But you can obviously see that there is a big concern about how young people um, are conducting themselves online. You know, when we think about uh, some of the inquiries that the likes of Meta, you know, have been in, you know, accusations that um, 
Meta being the parent of uh, Facebook and Instagram, that their algorithms are sort of pushing down um, quite toxic content onto young people, you know, which is lending itself to issues around uh, mental mental health, uh, body dysmorphia, you know, unrealistic expectations of life, you know, cyberbullying, all of this stuff. Um, that would probably be helped with good content moderation. Um, I also think about the ongoing debate about uh, the use of TikTok uh, between uh, the U.S. and China, you know, um, and some of the guardrails that uh, the Chinese government has in place when it comes to the use of TikTok in that country versus how it's used in other parts of the world. So there's huge ramifications just around how young people are being shaped you know currently by the online world and i guess the types of ideas that it's going to take um you know of them into their adult uh, you know into their adult lives we see the effects of uh, the online world on millennials and what that has done. I just think about dating, for example, and what uh, the likes of Tinder Hinge um, and all of these other platforms, Bumble, you know, have done for just the interactions, romantic, uh, you know, interactions, what's, what's happened for millennials on that front. And I just imagine what's happening, you know, lower down with the Gen Zs and other generations that are coming down and the thing that i then wonder about is the thorny issues around i think you've alluded to it a little bit which is why you've got all of these different audiences you know from teachers psychologists you've got the young people themselves is the discussions around when you enter a school or a, a school environment and stuff like that how are you dealing with issues around you know consent um, data, um, you know, all of those little, uh, we think of them as little things, but they probably, you know, are big things in how you are entering, you know, certain schooling environments. Yeah. Do you mean, do you mean um, the consent? You're not talking about teaching kids about consent. You're talking about consent on handling the children's data. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, yeah. So we, how we did that is that we, uh, we were very careful about that because, as you know, from my media, from my media web days, I help a lot of different tech companies, okay, and fintech companies and finance and companies and banks. And I understood how precarious it was. So I was very, very cautious. We actually do everything through the school. So say, for example, we have a, a, a survey or a feedback form. It doesn't come from us. It comes from the school. It's anonymous. And the school decides if it wants to share it with us. If you look at the kids' data, the kids go onto the platform. Kids go through the school. We don't have any student emails. Even if the child contacts us on, say, like a WhatsApp channel, they look for us and they contact us, which does happen. We notify the school. Because we're talking about lives here. We're talking about, you know, we've got to be really careful. But you, I think you're talking about consent to, like, say, pop poppy and stuff we don't have that issue we not we don't do that at all so what we do is the lesson for the kids is played by the lo teacher in lo okay and the 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 the, the, the teacher goes into a dashboard and gets to play eight nine videos so instructional videos and then there is also a lesson plan which the teacher downloads and there is also a quiz or an assessment which the teacher downloads and an intro video for the teacher so let's imagine you're the teacher you log in you see hey guys this is what this is what uh, january's episode is going to be about and then you get a lesson plan which literally is color by numbers it's how you're going to run this lesson then you watch the videos and then inside the video say after uh, video three so the kids watch say seven minutes then it stops it says breakout and in the lesson plan it says ask the kids this question they break into groups they talk about it and so on and then then you resume we answer the question at the beginning of section four. Oh, so you guys will have just spoken about X. Now, what's the difference between personal and private? Okay, well, let's unpack that and so on. And then when they finish that, that module, that lesson, they then get optionally given uh, a quiz or assessment. And also the school offers a survey or feedback form. 
where you don't have to liaise with the kids. It's quite okay. it's it's quite useful because we've All been right. we've been cautious about it. You know, you you have a big cybersecurity issue that you've got to make mm. sure that you that you have protected yourself. Mm. You know, if you if 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 your database gets hacked, you're in trouble. Yeah, certainly, because once again, um, exposure to a lot of technology companies, you know, it lets us know uh, the fact that uh, user data is a very important thing. Uh, but, you know, when you're now dealing with, um, you know, preteens and teens, it becomes an even more thorny issue. So, you know, at least we we have an understanding of how you guys have been able to approach and, uh, you know, navigate that particular, you know, front of things. My last business question, uh, because once again, uh, we are a business platform, so I do have to ask, is funding. Because when it comes to technology companies, one of the things that I'm quite uh, you know, well aware of, and I know a lot of people are aware of, is that running a technology platform of any kind is not a cheap endeavor. Um, and mm. because you are still, I guess, figuring things out on the revenue side of things i think the impact side of things has been well articulated how have you been funding yourselves i've been funding it <laughs> um so 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 I, I you know if you think about it it started went to new york came back i built the platform i built the modules um and so i've been able to do it i think pretty well uh uh when i look so so this is really important the the survey data from students and teachers and parents is sublime i think any investor would look at it and go wow you've got something so our challenge is a distribution challenge and my challenge is schools okay so breaking that door down because they want it really really cheap and while you're bootstrapped you've got a price say of 30 to 50 rand per, per child they're like we're never going to pay you 30 to 50 rand a child they go we want to pay you 5000 rand an episode i'm like but i couldn't produce it for 5000 rand try doing anything for 5000 rand they're like well the maximum will give you a 30000 rand a year out of our budget do you see what i mean and so and that comes with a lot of pain as well you know so uh, it, there's no secret that schools, I'm very honest, by the way, as you can hear, uh, schools are, are a difficult audience because, first of all, you've got to break through that they actually want it. And second of all, then they've got to have the money. And third of all, they've then got to work out where they're going to place it. So so the revenue issue, we, we set out by going, how can we be the world's best listeners and interpreters of this thing? That is what drives us. Okay. Then... What products would really, really work? And we have been figuring it out. You know, this new thing, which is the world's uh, first social media current affairs show, I'll send you the link. It's amazing. It is presented by Tanatswa, who is 18. It is shot by Henry, who's 23, uh, written and designed by Havana and Francie, uh, 20 and 21, respectively. This is this is gold. This is taking a guy that really understands media, technology, online safety, and using Gen Z as the mouthpiece and the, the 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 videographers and editors to be able to create a platform that's not anywhere in the world, a lesson that's available inside schools, um, and and we've done it all on our own steam. So we we don't profit out of it. We break even, but. The opportunity for these products around the world in the right hands with an investor and so on is amazing. But they do need to understand that I think we, as you said, we've done been brilliant on passion, purpose, and impact. The results are the number one thing that we have, and they speak for themselves. We also the product is great, but distribution and the breaking down of this of this um, this South African education problem for me is is I've almost like kind of gone well if you if people in south africa want it great but i'm i'm going to focus internationally and so we've been having talks with a lot of people because of course internationally everybody's really interested we're winning awards and we're not even we don't even know how it's happened people are just hearing about this thing and and acknowledging us um so we've had discussions in dubai um canada the united kingdom uh, Spain, uh, you know, but there's a little bit of translation issue, maybe not so much anymore with with AI. It's now made it easier. So we, we're kind of at that, that junction now. Like, what should we do with it? But I'm going to say that's why we're probably we're probably 
one of the strangest people you've had on your show because you're like, these guys are not just talking about money, money, money. And we're not. We're talking about who is going to be the best at helping kids and who is really innovating. And we think that the money is going to really unlock over time, over the next few years. Um, but one of them is we need to not depend on the South African education system to be our golden cash ticket. That's the truth. And I don't mind if are. nobody buys from saying that because it's true. <laughs> well, we really appreciate your your, your honesty, Dean. I think uh, it's really been great getting your understanding of what's going on in the space. Um, I have two final points on my side before we let you go. Um, and one of them is throughout this discussion, you've you know articulated quite well the issues that you're facing in terms of monetizing the platform. And the reason why that's interesting to me is because I was recently in, uh, I was recently in India um, visiting a number of uh, technology companies and we engaged with a team from, uh, from process, um, you know, which is the international unit of NASPAS. They are a big, education technology investor, uh, particularly in a country like uh, India. And they have stakes in companies like Udemy and uh, Brainly, Baiju's, all of these uh, different platforms. And one of the things that's quite apparent from what they are telling us is that even for the professional level type of education, executive training, you know, that type of thing, and also what's called, uh, you know, K through 12, you know, all of that. The, those, that part of the education technology realm is finding it hard to, to stay above water right now. So it just does seem like education technology as a whole is finding itself in this very tough existential crisis right now where whoever I'm, I've been exposed to in the last couple of weeks who's in ed tech, you know, is talking about, you know, the, the, the fact that there are big user bases, big needs, uh, big impact, and a lot of demand but it just does seem as if the business side of things isn't translating. So maybe just uh, just your thought on a maybe global sort of macro level around the, 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 the problems that are being faced by ed tech in general. Yeah, I mean, look, I think from all the discussions that I've had, and I go to many because I'm invited to speak at conferences about this topic of, pop culture, essentially, and artificial intelligence. I speak on artificial intelligence. I've just finished my mini MBA in New York on artificial intelligence so I can bring it to kids. Perfect example. Like, that's what I want to do. I don't care about necessarily whether, you know, uh, you, you know, it's something that's coming and it's something that we need to prepare for. But in speaking to those other exhibitors and those other education providers, there are very few who say that it's easy or that they are like absolutely killing it uh, in the ed tech industry. There may be, I'm not saying that there aren't. So if there's any ed tech providers out there and they go, what is this guy talking about? Then you're <laughs> the lucky ones. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't have beef about that because I know the one thing I know is the only guarantee like toilet paper is that going forward, people, kids are going to be taught more via ed tech. Okay. They are. It's it's an issue of pricing, platform distribution. That's the issue. Like in my case, I think it's pricing in South Africa. It's also an issue if they don't believe that social media is is something that that schools need to hold. They'd, some do, but not not all. And if they do, it, it shouldn't be expensive because those are their budgets. But in in other in other things like say um, it's a maths tutoring thing, for example, that could be very different. But I think it is always around. The education system, this is very, very important. The education system is, is a big old dinosaur. Okay. It's concrete. 
you know, it has a certain amount of subjects. Um, those subjects have been going on for a long time. You know, we read and then we do English and maths and geography and da 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 da. This is a new subject. And we're going to stick around, I promise you. And over time, like we're already seeing with AI, that is a new subject. So we had robotics and coding. But already, while robotics and coding is amazing, there are new topics like mine, like modern life skills, like, um, like artificial intelligence, which is the reason why I, I did the mini MBA in York on it. And, and over time, schools, that there's a growing delta on this, that, that schools are going to realize that the world is moving so fast that here's the trajectory of technology and what kids are using and what kids are going to be expected to use by 2030. And here's this very constant, consistent traditional education system doing social science and geography. And that's fantastic. But there is a delta between those two lines. Where is the world and where is the world going? And what are we teaching children? Digital life skills, perfect example. And so I believe if we stick around and we continue to be the innovators and the ones that are best at it, and that we start to look outside South Africa and we play around with our pricing and we continue to improve our user experience because it's already working under this current platform that we're using, then I think we have something. It's just that age-old thing with a startup. You just stay in the game. Stay afloat, stay in the game. And so globally with EdTech, I think it'll, I would imagine it would be the same thing. How good's your platform? Who are your distribution partners regionally? So who are your country partners? Which conferences are you attending? Um, what is your sales team like? That's an area where I believe we we need to do better. You know, a lot of it's always come through me, which is which is very demanding. Uh, we need to really build out a sales team uh, and a regional country plan, uh, and and then take this thing out there. And I think that's that's the place that we're at after achieving a top five startups in South Africa position. We're like, this thing is good, you know, and people see it. Let's go out there and make some cash eventually. I'm reminded of uh, a comment that was made by a local venture capitalist recently to say that um, we need to engender a venture capitalist industry in South Africa that um, has a bigger risk appetite as opposed to the private equity mentality that is currently there, um, you know, that is uh, able to support um, businesses through the growth phase, which is usually quite, you know, intensive on resources um, because in places like the U.S., the infrastructure is there for a business to go for five, six, seven, eight years, um, you know, without making money, but still keeping the lights on, you know, until the it's able to figure out uh, the economics. So, you know, something that then allows us to do the same in South Africa. It's just that the risk appetite, and I'm sure the the capital pools are a bit smaller um, than uh, you know what they are, which makes sense. Uh, why we would be, um, would look to expand internationally, uh, because I'm also um, reminded of another platform that we've spoken to called Go One. They were they were credited as being the first South African startup um, to have a unicorn uh, unicorn status or a billion dollar valuation. They were an edtech platform, but uh, the majority of their users were, you know, understandably outside of South Africa. So that does seem to be, you know, the way that you do win, um, you know, from uh, that point of view. So lastly, then, Dean, before, you know, we, 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 we land this conversation, I think a good place for us to conclude is to say you have... Um, sight into a lot of these issues that are happening at uh, pre-teen and teen level um, mm. in this country, but also other parts of the world, a lot of exposure, the different conferences and platforms that you are invited to and are engaging with. And it's a bit of a curiosity on my side to say, is there a homogenous experience that uh, preteens and teens are having online in terms of the struggles 
that they have, um, you know, in South Africa and around the world, or are there regionalized or country-specific things that um, are perhaps a bit more apparent in a South Africa as compared to another part, um, you know, of uh, you know, of the world from what from from the data and what you can see. Mm, it's such a good question. Like, I, I thank you for that question because it is an absolute beauty. Okay, so the most important thing we need to understand is that every user that looks into that screen is an individual with an entire world, uh, a, a life experience from certain types of parents, back, uh, a religion, upgrading, you know, all sorts of things. So how it's perceived through the visual cortex, what we see and how we interpret it in our brains is going to be is going to be different. So so but but actually largely the challenges around the world and I can tell you this because we spoke in India and we spoke in Dubai. We did a we did a presentation on sexuality online in India. Uh, there were 942 students in that session alone. I still have the screenshot of it. So we're talking to 13 to 17 year olds in India 942 students was the was were on the thing and I could not believe I first of all before the session I mailed them and I said hey look you know I'm a bit nervous about this you know let's not lie I'm not part of your culture and I, I'm very respectful of that and so on they said just come on and just handle things carefully and the questions that came through were I've taken my clothes off and now this boy wants to share the images. Another one is nobody sees me in my class. I feel like I'm in absolute nothing. I feel like I have massive mental health issues. This is in India. It was it was literally mind bending. Then I did a talk with um, Josh Oaks of Safe Smart Sh Sh Social in California. We had this one hour discussion. He said, Dean, everything you're telling me feels exactly like it is here in California. However, when we come to the other side, when we come to the human looking at the lens, a South African will see, you'll still see the same things. Our kids using these devices, TikTok, Insta Reels, uh, Fortnite, and so on, yes. Uh, are they obsessed? Many of them, yes, not all, of course. Um, are they experiencing self-esteem and mental health issues? Yes. Okay. They just perceive differently by each different audience. You have a child in Dubai that has a different culture and a different religion that may um, experience that differently and have, but, but the actual problems remain the same. They're just being felt differently. I'll give you an example. A company in China, uh, a private independent school in China, this is an amazing story, said to me, will you come and teach our kids? So I said, fine. So I said, we audited the kids in China. We sent them an anonymous survey. And what's happened is it's very difficult to talk about sex actually there. Uh, and you, for example, also, they weren't talking about TikTok. There was an app there called Red. And in terms of sport, they were interested in NBA. Do you see what I mean? Still the same, though, amount of addiction and focus and whatever. But the, the one around sex was a little bit more tentative. Like, we're not really allowed to do that. Like, oh, hold on, hold on a second. Don't be so public about sexuality. But you can go somewhere else and it's going to be a lot more sexy because you're in America and it's the Kardashians and so on. So, but, but they're all, all the, all the things are there. They're just experienced differently. So, um, the answer is, it's both yes and no. Uh, in the hands <laughs> of the individual, in the hands of the individual, it's, it's, it's very unique. To these eight to these four and a half billion people online but the what big tech is doing through algorithms uh and the issues that that's creating i do believe are pretty common across the world all right so that's where we end off it has been a really great discussion with uh, dean makubri uh just uh, talking about uh, the world of uh education technology ed tech um you know he was just running us through the story of um you know his platform called my social life um how that came about um you know the fact that you know at some point you know his own journey when it comes to you know balance and wellness um you know just so he decided that he would take some of those learnings and try and you know help um young people when it comes to that especially in an increasingly you know online and digitized 
world? You know, how should young people be conducting themselves? How do you keep yourself safe? And, you know, how do you then teach uh, the people and the ecosystem around a child, you know, how to appropriately um, conduct themselves, whether you're talking to, um, you know, the child themselves, the child's parents, uh, the the teachers, the schools, the psychologists. Um, there's a whole team around the development of a young person. And all of these different people and players need to be engaged if we're going to positively impact um you know the outcomes that young people have um when they are online we also you know ran us through some of uh, you know the common issues that uh, they are seeing um you know such as uh, cyberbullying you know such as you know extortion um you know from some of the some of the criminal um you know rings and rackets that are going on around the world and some of the psychological and mental health impacts of all of these different issues Issues and the problems that they have to attend to and, you know, how they navigate that in partnership with the schools um, that uh, they've been working with. And then obviously, you know, we spoke quite a bit about the business side of things. Um, you know, they said, uh, you know, the users, what did COVID-19 do to their user base? Um, I think you said around, you know, 16,000, but it also fluctuated during COVID. Um, a bounce back now, but also... Um, it's tiered and he said it's nice to have a user base that is split um, against those five different audience groups uh, that he was talking about and then obviously the fact that you know over time we have seen that as much hype as there was around online education uh, that uh, there seems to be this moment that we're in uh, where education platforms around the world are just facing you know just a crisis of uh, I'm going to call it a crisis of sustainability, um, you know, because it doesn't seem as if there's only one part of the education technology piece that is affected. It's, you know, everyone across the board, at least that's been my experience. And, you know, from the conversation we've been having, that's also been Dean's experience as well. Ending off talking about the fact that, uh, you know, young people around the world are facing a lot of the same challenges when it comes to life and existing online. However, it is is a differentiated experience based, um, you know, on your background and obviously the environment that you live in. So that's been us. Uh, it has been a really great discussion. As I said, we're in conversation with uh, Dean Makubri, who is the founder of My Social Life. Dean, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for for all of the time and all the amazing questions. Always so good to talk to you. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.